transcript. So what happened here was um, something quite traumatic happened to me recently. Uh, a young person referred to me as uncle. And although I'm like a father of three, alhamdulillah. Just being called uncle by a young person really hit me. So I wanted to invite some brothers on to help increase my street cred <laughs> and my connection and understanding with the the youth dems. Uh, so I have I'm I'm glad to be joined, alhamdulillah, by Abdul Jalil and Abdul Karim, who are both uh, I think it's safe to say veterans dons in the youth work uh, game. Not at all, um, man. Not at all. And humble as well, apparently. Inshallah. So, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Starting from the right. Not that he's. Salam wa rahmatullah. Not that he's better than you or anything. I'm sure you're better than him. No, Abdul Karim. He's talking about street cred. Cred, yeah. So, I think we need to take him shopping. No, they're really going to call him uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know. I'll have you know that this is this 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 garb is is all the rage in in Faisalabad. Where? Okay. Yeah. In Lahore, Faisalabad, all these okay. places full bustling with youth. Yeah. Yeah. So he works over there. I'm not sure if he works here. Bringing out South London, mate. We gotta go take it to the wardrobe, mate. Uh, so yeah, you guys are mashallah youth workers. Um, Let's hear a bit about yourselves. I couldn't do justice. I mean, you were saying you've been, uh, you've been in working with youth for eighteen years. You've been uh, 13, 14 years. 13, I think. Fourteen years, mashallah. Yeah. Um, so, how can I increase my street cred, Abdul Karim? How can you increase your street cred? Yeah, be you, man. You don't have to increase your street cred. Increase your cred. I like the answer. It's I'm not even going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, <laughs> yeah, That's enough of an answer. Uh, so, what do you do for a living? Can you explain? Uh, introduce yourself to the, the listeners. Um, what do I do for a living? Um, I help people, um, primarily young people. Um, I've been doing that as my main source of work for mm. the last, say, eight, nine years in terms of mm-hmm. being paid and stuff of that nature. And volunteering before that quite a lot But yeah, just help young people in any way I can um, I think I've gravitated towards more supporting young people at risk mm-hmm. um, In different tiers So tier 4, which is very serious safeguarding issues Right away down to like the tier 2 Where they don't need that much intervention Just some support But yeah, just help young people, support sure. young people And that's my passion And you're based in South London? Mm-hmm. South of the river, okay South side stand up uh, Abdul Jalil, we don't want any he said South London stand up, man. I was like, it's become a territory. Everyone's firmly standing up. Really, East London's like, there's a lot of slack in it, so it's just yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess my story is. So I grew up in. I just kind of give you a story, I guess, because mm-hmm. I think everyone has a story and how they kind of mm-hmm. got into work with young people. Um, most of the time, it's kind of lived experience. Um, and just being in that environment. So I grew up in Tower Hamlets. I grew up in East London Tower Hamlets. Um, at the time, it was one of the worst boroughs. Um, very high drug abuse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely around heroin and crack <coughs> at the time. Um, went to the school. They were one of the worst schools in the borough. And then just being in the environment, just seeing everyone 
you know, living the same lifestyle ended up in the same outcome, I guess. And then, um, so me being a young person witnessing that, mm. um, I guess organisation wanted to kind of tap into my insight in why were people going in the, no, leading a certain path. So I became mm. a young person and, and I guess advocating for other young people who are involved in crime, serious youth violence, and so forth. And this was like in 90... 2000, actually. 2000, actually. 2000, I started kind of doing a lot of advocacy, volunteering. Um, and eventually I kind of decided, like, you know what, let me try and make a... Well, mm. I didn't know what else to do at the time. <laughs> but it was kind of like, oh, let me just make a career. Like, let me, 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 let's take this seriously. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of did loads of different projects, worked for different organisations. Obviously, mm. I started off in East London and eventually I wanted to kind of broaden out mm. um, to like North London, mm. worked in West London. So mm. my kind of career started from there. So at the moment, I wouldn't say like I'm a specialist in a particular field. I think I've just got a lot of experience working with disadvantaged yeah. young people mm. um, over over the period. And they, that do they of, tend to be mostly uh, ethnic minority backgrounds? Yeah, yeah, they're mostly... So I worked in... So Ta Hamlets was... A lot of our clientele Ta Hamlets mm. were um, either African or Afro-Caribbean or Bangladeshi background. Mm. That was a kind of large... When I went to North London, it was dominantly white. And I was working in a very dominantly white community, which was interesting yeah, because I got, to, cause yeah. I got to have a deep insight, especially that area. What kind of white? Working class white? Yeah, working class white. And that particular area had a history around organised crime. Yeah. So without dropping names, certain families were running the show. So me as a worker that was going in there, I felt that they were running the show. You felt that there was things going on behind the scene. So the, 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 the white people were more organised... <laughs> you know yeah so that was the kind of yes and then I went to and then I ended up working in Labrick Grove for a few years um, and that was an amazing experience I worked with a large um, Somalian Moroccan um, yeah Caribbean community over there that was an amazing experience okay. and then yeah so that's kind of like I guess my kind of story and my kind of background how I got into young people so I mean youth, youth issues spe- specifically violence and knife crime and stuff has been kind of trending in the news recently but it hasn't really it's not really a new thing is it i mean is from your experience is it something that's been increasing or is it something that was always there but just now it, it happens to be on the mainstream media i was having this conversation today with one of my colleagues um <coughs> violence is especially in like working mm. class communities has always been prevalent unfortunately what we're seeing now is the rise in young people involved in more serious violence. So, for example, mm. um, recently <coughs> there was a headline of a 14-year-old who was um, arrested for murder of an 18-year-old. Um, my anecdotal experience, um, when I worked in the A&E Institute, institution, um, I got to see mm. how young victims and perpetrators are or were. Um, at the time, but are, because it's still continuing. And for me, it's quite alarming. I'm going to be brutally honest. And I tried to raise the alarm bells a couple of years ago. Like, right, this is actually kind of serious. And I mm. think um, people caught on after. So between like 2017, 2018, 2017, 2018, mm. I think that's when the, 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 the media and the public and there was more outcry because there was a lot of high-profile murders mm. and people, you know, to pay notice. But 
it's been going on for the last, let's say, I think from my experience and from what I see on the ground, it's been a pandemic for the last, from t- about 2015, it's yeah. been a pandemic. I think with this, social media has amplified it significantly. Okay. Um, and that's enabled the community and the public to be like, oh, this is this is quite a problem. Do you mean it's amplified the actual problem or it's made awareness of it Both. more I mean, widespread? I, social media is amplified anyway. So mm. anything that takes place, if it goes on social media, it spreads like wildfire. Oh. Um, so, so more and more people start doing the crime or just more people yeah, know about so it? So unfortunately, we, we, there was a high profile... Uh, you know, passing of a young person mm. uh, not too long ago. And, you know, the story is that he was, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was taunting mm. other young people, which resulted in, you know, the swift um, retaliation where he, wa- he was a victim and didn't survive. And mm. this is becoming quite prevalent. We're seeing a lot of young people taunting other young people on social media, with firearms, with knives, you know, verbally. And you have to understand, social mm-hmm. media is a public platform. We're on social media right now. This is social, it's a public mm-hmm. platform. And, you know, if you don't want your, if you want to look after your street cred, then don't <laughs> anybody diss you on social yeah. media. But that's the reality. A lot of young people have their, quote unquote, Ariza, their honour to protect. Mm. On social media, you've got a platform of X amount of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people watching this yeah. public display. What was before in the maybe limited to the schoolyard, yes. oh, now or it's in kind the estate, of, or yeah. in the street. Now, now it's a show. The streets mm. are a public show, and that is going to result in a lot of issues. So that's why it's a lot more of a pandemic. Mm. Um, and you know, it's a you know it, it's going to get into a state of an emergency because yeah. it's not slowing down. I had to, there's a murder that happened yeah. in my community today. No stabbing, sorry, that happened in my community today. So mm. not a murder. I guess adding to what Abdulkadir was interesting, and I think we should come back to social media, mm. but I think that may be some later point. But yeah, I think that's an interesting thing because I think that's one of the major issues. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we should come so back. So, in to your it. opinion, is it getting worse? Is the problem getting bigger? And you're, so, Abdulkadir saying it's getting, people are getting younger and the crimes are getting more serious. Yeah. In his experience, anecdotally. <coughs> is there stats on this? What about in your experience? I guess from my experience, you know. I had this discussion as well today and I said the mm. same thing like to be honest people carrying knives was always a thing like from when I was young like I was mentioning today like people mm. carrying knives to school because they had scouts you are so <laughs> hilarious <laughs> 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 see why you don't have street kids my son scouts you know I'm you done know, out here once we had a talk in our school uh, yeah. a policeman gave an assembly when I was in high school uh, Drayton Manor High School, Brett Brett. And, uh, and then Birmingham? Like, no, no, it's West London. Oh, sorry, that shows how much I know. And uh, <laughs> he goes, if you get caught with any blade without a uh, proper reason to um, to have it, then you'll get in X, Y, Z trouble. And then like 20 people put their hand up asking the same question. So just theoretically, what would be a... <laughs> A proper reason to hold <laughs> not get <laughs> I remember once he, so he mentioned like, yeah. you know, if you're going scouts, you need whatever, you know, yeah. Swiss Army knife and that kind of stuff. So I remember yeah. like, people were measuring it, like, is it, yeah. you know, look at the little figure, if it is, it's, it's, it's a criminal yeah. offence or something. Um, scouts. Anyway, but is it getting worse? Yeah. You're saying people yeah. used to carry knives to back honest, in the day when, knives when you were in school. Karim, like, please, you know, mm. you know, good to get your thoughts on this, but for me, 
carrying knives was always an issue. Like people were carrying knives at the mm. time. Yeah, but uh, were they um, carrying samurai like those, the Rambo's? You see the like the, the knives that I remember back in the day were like flick knives and then whip yeah, yeah. in the face. Yeah, yeah. As a marking, very rarely, and maybe the dynamics between south and east. Mm. To my yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a wet. Yeah. cut across the face or a little poke mm. they might be like knives like this big which yeah, yeah. you know I don't in my area not everybody carried a knife mm. you'd more get rushed in my yeah, yeah. in the 90s and early 2000s yeah. now yeah. it's uniform and they're not have, like they've got Rambos they're ordering off mm. Wish these big mm. like 19 machetes. inch yeah, yeah. 17 inch 20 machetes, inch yeah. not machetes machete, these yeah. are like proper oh. Rambo remember the Rambo first Hunting blood knives, yeah. like the first well, like a uh, crocodile dundee yeah. yeah i remember like so for example in tight hamlets and i think i could only talk from like <laughs> i said crocodile dundee in, <laughs> that is my so That's i guess mine. like in tight hamlets in talking from like the asian community they mm. were carrying that kind of heavy what, rambo yeah. yeah and all that and because that was and but that time they didn't call it knife crime they were calling it serious youth violence Mm. That was a term that was coined at the time. Was that there's a serious youth violence issue because so they may not necessarily what, use a knife. They might just come up with a hammer and they might come with a baseball pack. Just mm. they'll, they'll use some sort of tool. wrapped in uh, uh, cellophane. Whatever the case, it was a, it was a big issue, and that's yeah. why they set up. Um, I remember there was a, an organization where it was a dedicated team that was responding to any mm. gang activity in Tower Hamlets, mm. and that was a, a big thing at the time. So. In terms of, for me, like, serious youth violence has always been there. I think there is definitely a spike currently at the moment. I think statistically mm. as well. Um, and, yeah, so, I, and it is a concern, you know, working for a youth organisation and sitting in meetings, there is a massive discussion at the moment mm. around, you know, um, how, how do you tackle this? And they haven't got a clue, to be honest. But I mean, they well. are making some... Um, Strides right to to, 100%. to to stop this. So yeah, hundred percent. For example, Go on. those those fried chicken. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I bet there's so many people up and down the country. I think they're, it's they're, incredible. Someone ingenious brushed past idea. them, about to stab someone, but they're like, wait, 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 look. So they, they read the, I the think thing it's and they say, idea, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I don't know what came <laughs> over me. Put down your knife for a wing. Yeah? <laughs> Put down your knife. Pick up a wing. Pick yeah. up a wing. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about that? I mean that was a huge backlash. I mean it was there's comedy kind of material for mm. I think for it's weeks. Gone. I want to hear no, your go on, go on. Yeah. I think it's ingenious idea. Yeah. For somebody that's disconnected from the reality, they're gonna think, Oh, this is very <laughs> this is really good. Mm. So for them, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. They tried. But realistically stupid, realistically is a waste of yeah. money, realistically the money could be invested into, you know, services, more mentors. Mm. However the services have been Slashed Cut. over the last However, when years. you yeah. know what happens in certain mm. spaces and certain spaces think that they're doing good, rather they should consult people who are really doing the work mm. before they step out and do... A barrister once told me, he's involved in a lot of public law cases, he said, governments don't um, make policies based on logic or research. Normally they're just based, they just do things... So they can be seen to be doing yeah, things. PR campaign. Yeah. So it's but this is a fun. This is like. I mean, that was a complete flop in the PR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even in the PR sense, because everyone was taking the mic. But you know what? This is a, a fundamental discussion that I've been thinking about. Is that yeah. how disconnected our policymakers, yeah. commissioners, are with grassroots? You mean and and and, and this it's for is fits for everything really. It's not just for kind of youth, but youth issues. It's mm. for 
climate change issues for drug policy yeah, yeah. is for even even terrorism mm. counter terrorism policy all of these things are so far away from actual yeah. science and, yeah. and 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 people researching on on the yeah you know in the in the universities mm. in the kind of criminology departments or whatever mm. and this comes down to like who are kind of their background mm. so those policy makers those funders those people who are like funding projects what is their background and sometimes their background they're not from like urban city London when I sometimes I meet them they're not from urban city mm. they haven't got a clue they're trying to figure out and that's a bigger issue in terms of I guess um, people who have come a lived experience being in those mm. positions and alhamdulillah like, we have got people who are becoming mm. academics now and pushing that we've got brothers like Abdul Karim as well like pushing that through so we just it needs mm. a lot more of people with lived experience yeah. to take up those positions or become advisors but can I be, can I be honest um, <clears throat> it's a lonely space yeah yeah and that's one of the things that when people make it to whether it's in policy or they control a board or you know they make it into central government or whatever it is they make it to mm. those spaces there it's very lonely so when you're advocating in those spaces for the communities that you serve, because mm. you have to go back into those communities and they're going to hold you to yeah. account, sometimes you're fighting a losing battle because they just don't get it. Like mm. you'd be like, this is where you need to be and they'll find every, um, every angle where it doesn't seem to fit with their overall plan. Yeah. So the challenge is, and it's a call to action, that mm. more, it shouldn't be just, you know, even though the, the, the <coughs> grassroots is a very safe space for, for youth workers, for, for youth, uh, youth practitioners to be. Mm. Many, of, many of us, because I'm included mm. in that village, mm. we need to start climbing the ladder to make change at the top. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a lonely space where mm. one person pops up and everything's on their shoulders because yeah. they'll fight losing yeah. battles. Some people but might say, you know, it's impossible to change. They might have this kind of uh, maybe, uh, I don't call it defeatist mentality, but... They might think, you know, the people in parliament or central government, they don't care. It's impossible to change. What's the point in even trying? What would you say to that, that, kind, of, that kind of argument? So I've got two responses. I think adding to what Abdul Karim was saying, 100%, it is mm. quite a lonely space. And hence why I kind of had to think in terms of my kind of progression ladder as well, mm. you know, and mm. the realistic, you know, what's being realistic. And I've always kind of stayed middle ground and being, I guess, mm. not frontline, but some balance between frontline and then, kind of being involved in strategy and, you know, and supporting directors and so forth. Also, I think, coming back to what Abdul Karim was saying, there's a lot more collaborative work. Like, mm. I knew of Abdul Karim mm. for a while, but we've never worked together. And I know there's others like Abdul Karim that I would love to work with. And it's Is about... It his street cred, yeah? His street cred, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I ain't got no street cred. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> it's gone but, out the window. Do you know, but there's so well, many... Fuck after coming on here. You know, but you know what? Even, 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 even through my own kind of work, I came mm. across so many... Mm. Like, mashallah, like, amazing mm. youth workers, practitioners. I think the other day I met a sister who, like, you know, um, delivers uh, conflict... Um, resolution. Uh, resolution workshops. And I was like, you're needed, my sister. And she's a practicing sister. Mm, she, you know, graduated from Madrasa, you know, mm. from Alima course. And I thought, and I said to her, I said, you're needed in the community. Mm. You're needed in the community. And, and I've realised, but everyone's doing their own venture. Yeah. And there's not enough collaborative... Work. You hit the nail on the head, and I think maybe there needs to be a space where brothers or you know like-minded yeah. <laughs> individuals get together. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> because that village, that space, that community is your anchor. Mm, yeah. And then when you're, I mean, when you 
and, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, when you're on the front lines and you're working with the young people and you're picking up a lot of their trauma, a lot of their issues, mm. you get burnout. And then when you go into yeah. these senior spaces, yeah, you're yeah. like, and then you've got to deal with that that baggage. You need a place where, you need your family. Yeah, yeah. You need your tribe where you can go yeah. back to and just unload. Mm. And that's why for me, it's, Alhamdulillah, Allah's blessed me with a colleague, very close colleague, mm. who um, he's done frontline youth work and he's climbed quite high in his career. And we try to try and make change at the top in our mm. spaces and we bounce off each other. But if we had a, when we talk about, we actually map out who can we work with, who can we collaborate with, because they do it. Yeah, yeah and that's what I'm, to be honest, that's what I'm trying to do. So I'm trying to stay connected with imams mm. and Muslim institutions mm. to kind of um, support them, upskill them, to mm. be able to deliver quality youth engagement programs. Allah because Allah. alhamdulillah, they're doing that <laughs> at the moment. So I'm always like on some sort of WhatsApp and mm. texting them training and so forth. But I do feel like people like, Abdul Karim bringing him involved mm. to train imams, train the, the committees because youth work and work with young people is a whole different um, paradigm, mm. a, a whole different kind of framework. You know what some people think it is? It's table tennis and pool. Yeah, oh, I get cussed <laughs> all the time, man. Wait I a get second. When they see me play FIFA, they go, with Jilan and you can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, and, and, like, and I'm like, no, it's more than that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But it's interesting, it's that. That's what it's about. And mm. even now, alhamdulillah, a lot of the uh, the massages, I can see, alhamdulillah, during the summertime, oh, they've done a lot of youth projects. But it's about raising a bar now yeah. and having a lot more, um, you know, engagement that has a meaningful impact you on know, them. And, so it, and yeah. the thing about that is, I think maybe things are progressing because if we look back maybe about four or five years ago, yeah, it was like youth work, like they, it wasn't even a conversation. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't even young an people idea. in the masjid was only time was Tarawih sitting at the back, <laughs> or Juma at the back. That's it. That's the only time you see young yeah. people. So that was incredible. my experience. That was my experience, and mm. hence why I never went to a masjid till later on in my life when yeah. I started practicing. But Alhamdulillah, we are seeing that transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are getting it now because, yeah. and I think unfortunately, it's taken maybe a few young people to passing communities mm. for imams, for masajids, for organisations to be like, okay. What can we do? Yeah. And there are some imams that I've seen who are, Allahumma barak, you know, taking a mantelpiece, running youth organizations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just like, Allah, but you've gone, you've studied, you've come back, and you've not just been a da'i, which is nothing wrong with. Mm. Like, I celebrate all the people of Tulab al-ilm. Mm. But this brother here, he's gone the extra mile, not just to be a da'i, but to run a youth organization yeah, solely. Yeah. And yeah, I said, you know what? Yeah. That's the future. Mm. You know what I mean? That's the future. The change, alhamdulillah, the change is there. Because even, even students... You know, some people are... Uh, some youth workers I speak to, they're quite more maybe cynical or pessimistic about the future. They're thinking that we might see some uh, kind of practicing young people, but even mm. them, they have so many issues and we only see like 5% and the rest of the... People are going further and further away from the dean, and mm. so if we're talking about that, youth violence, that's what. If we're talking yeah. about practicing, ooh, that's a yeah, oh, that's, that's a big conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I, maybe because I'm a youth worker, mm. I sympathise with young people, young Muslims. Yeah. It's hard being young in this day and age. Mm. Oh my God! In our day, my day is the eighties slash nineties, early two thousands. The peer pressure was there. You had to have a nice pair of trainers, mm. you know, a decent tracksuit, mm. fresh trim. And, you know, that was it. Bang and fade. Mm. <laughs> Afro, my day. <laughs> but now, social media, this drip culture. Mm. What's brothers drip and culture? Sis, okay, now we're going to boost yeah. the street cred, right? <laughs> have you got a bucket? 
Let me get my notepad. So you know, like to just look fly, look flashy, yeah, expensive, obviously. expensive clothes, <laughs> expensive clothing. Yeah. You know, this whole image that they portray in social media is so embedded that even our young Muslim brothers yeah. and sisters are affected. Yeah. It's very, and it's yeah. you have to understand they're young people trying to navigate through society, and social media is a massive part of society. Yeah, yeah. Where I, I'm on social media every day, mm. like going through Insta, Instagram or whatnot, and I grew up without it. Mm. These young people, some of them ha- don't know a life without yeah, social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. Complete so integral, yeah, 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 yeah. So for them, that social footprint mm. has to be a certain way, mm. and that will also impact how they're viewed in school, how they're viewed in their local area. Also affects um, young women disproportionately. They, they talk about comparing despair. On Instagram and these kind of Photoshop images. For me, when I look at, when I think about social media, yeah, <clears throat> I think social media is just the platform. The underlining issue for me mm. is that emotions and that emotional intelligence that they're unable to gov- mm. to govern then govern, I guess, their feelings. Believe me, mm. stuff around like what does social media gives you. Social media gives you that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. I'm easily to put mm. a picture out there and I get a few likes and I feel accepted. A dopamine hit. Yeah. That's that's yeah. A, that's a, yeah, that's yeah. scientific, but I want to keep it mm. basic for the viewers. It's like I put a picture out there, I get a likes. Even though we're talking about practicing, we're not even talking about non practicing, we're talking about generally yeah. practicing. Is putting it out there and I get a few likes and I get a sense of satisfaction. Mm. And I was thinking this recently that even amongst practicing Muslim, this whole thing about showing off and, you know, putting things out there, your mm. personal life and so forth, it's like become so grey now or even missing because it's become the norm. Become the it's norm. okay now, it's okay, but they don't realise the effects is happening and that actually is against our true nature. Are you with me? Like, for example, Ria, we talk, we talk about development showing software, showing off Ria, mm. self-amazement, you know, these are like diseases of the hearts. Mm. So we like put pictures out there and these are some of the things that... It just accelerates bad um, akhlaq and bad uh, habits and, and, and problems of the, the ego yeah. and the nafs. So the when heart. I talk about youth programs, mm. you know, one of the things I'm trying to do at the moment is design a youth program. Like use all my years of youth work and use all my ex- little bit of Islamic knowledge I've learned around Tedbi, around mm. the issue around the heart, issue around the, you know, looking at the soul, looking at our human makeup, mm. you know, not just physical, human, physical being, but also our psychological, spiritual, spiritual emotional. Mm. And how do we, because these are the challenges that young Muslims mm. are going through, you know, and that's probably my kind of concern more mm. is about how do we um, help young Muslims mm. with the youth work framework, the language that youth work use with the solution that I think Islam, the solution that Islam mm. offers, by using the youth work model as a methodology to mm. tackle those issues. Okay, I learned drip. Okay. Uh, I want you to teach me a few more words. I think uh, Abdul, Kar- uh, Abdul uh, Jalil had a test for us. You know what? I can't Where's remember them. I can't, you can, t- you can get out of your phone. If I like, you can get out of your phone if you want. What list. is it? Old school words. Uh, test of. Uh, well, you know what? There was some, there's some list that someone made. Yeah, it was interesting, and I just kind of looked at the list. Yeah, and they had like people like, job, job. I know what job means. What's job? 
on job. Oh, on job. On okay, job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up. That's new. Is up, up new? Yeah. Up yeah. means an opponent. Opponent, on opposition. Adversary. Um, you got skeng. Yeah, I, I know. Skeng, skeng means a weapon, gun. Leng. I only found out that one the other day. Leng. Leng is uh, the bullet that goes in the gun. No, I thought it. I thought, yeah, it is that. Yes, is it, it? It, it's no, it's a, it's, it's something like that, shooting someone or something. Okay, Leng. I thought Leng meant like tasted I, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's but, Peng. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, right, right. You know what, I tried. Like, I should be the youth worker. Yeah, I, like, I don't even try to keep up because it's honestly, too much. It, when you try to pull it off in front of young people, young people look at yeah. you and go, nah, man, allow it. Think, uh, this guy, this let guy's a bit. Story. Let me tell you guys a story. I was with a young person the other day, yeah? And um, I had to take him to an, uh, a workshop and he was like, oh, Kareem, let me just go and link my cousin quick. I've got to go bust a shot. I've got to go sell some drugs. I was like, bro, I'm with you. As a youth worker, you think you're going to. Bus a shot yeah. with me, bro. No, please, give me the bus. It, I need to bus it. I said, No, we're gonna go to this workshop. Cut a long story short, it goes, Okay, can I rass it? I'm thinking, <laughs> I just said, You're not gonna go bus a shot. What do you want from me? He goes, No, cream, can I rass it? I said, What does that mean? He goes, I can light my cigarette. I said, <laughs> You didn't know what rass means? I did no, I know what rass means. Rass it. <laughs> I was like, What? Rass from bunny, innit? Bunny, bunny. It's a Caribbean thing Yeah, yeah. I know Ross But yeah. So yeah, Ross sure it, do. I do I do I do <laughs> That was just like Ross. That's, that's what I knew That's yeah, a That's I'm, a dangerous thing old. Of uh, the risky thing Of using young people's lingo Because if you do it In front of them You might end up It's not up, authentic isn't it It's not authentic yeah. like, you, know, you, you might, you might not know The latest The new yeah. Kind of lingo Unless it creeps in You might end up Looking a bit Photosynthesis Yeah yeah That's it mm. Unless it creeps Like You know when you're Around young people All the time yeah. And it will creep into your vocab. So, like, what's the word that crept in the other day? Even my wife used it. Um, You're dead. <laughs> Get some milk on the way home. No, I can't remember. But there's one that crept Shot in. Shot some milk on the way home. Nah, shots normal. That's that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. So, go on, what, what are the other words? Pagan. Someone who. Uh, that's a bit of a Someone who's a polytheist. <laughs> I actually I said that, that the first time, you know, and the youth goes, no, I don't mean it like that. I said, that's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Pagan op. What's that? Ah, oh, Pax. Have you heard that one? Pax, yeah. Yes. Plural of pack. Nah, so they're saying like, if say for example, may I laugh a bit, I kill you. I say, Abdul Jalil Pak, which means like, yeah, he's smoked. He's dead. Okay. I was Is it like, like packed up? I don't know. Where it comes from, but it's just I said, Oh wow, kick the bucket, <laughs> yeah, do yeah, it. Use one. Which one is it? Let me yeah, go. <laughs> I wanted to press it myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I know which one it is. I'm gonna jump and press it. <laughs> you have to earn access to these buttons oh, here, man. Yeah, not everyone can. Uh... What's some crazy words that I've heard? Yeah, Packers. Or, Where's your list, man? You, you had well, your it's list. It's on my phone. Someone get his phone. <laughs> uh, say this, say this. We'll get the well, yeah, Max will get your phone for you. Alright, leave it then, leave yeah, it. Yeah, then. Leave it. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I gotta bring you around some mutes. <laughs> Jazz you up a little bit. Dench. 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 That's an East thing, isn't it? Ah, uh, you gotta know, man. That's an East. That's South. That never really I'm technically I'm younger than you, I think. That's why uh, De- yeah, yeah that never really made lingo. it down south like yeah, that. No yeah, one really said the word dench in south. Yeah. yeah. So I made it up. I don't even keep it up, like I said, I don't even 
so, are you hearing? And I'm like, mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I got it now. Because obviously, when they're talking amongst themselves, I've got to kind of like be like, it is quite, yeah. you know, uh, uh, quite profound though. Some of the stuff they say, and the, there's just ability to evolve the language. Mm. Yeah. But what I'm worried about is over the years. Remember 1984 dystopic kind of feature? They're like, there's this thing called Newspeak. Where the vocabulary? What the heck are you talking about? So there's this dystopic kind of future novel, right? Oh, it's a book. Yeah, okay. depicting like authoritarianism and everyone's scared of the government. Like an Orwell kind of stuff. Yeah, George, okay. it's written by George Orwell. Oh, so George Orwell. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in that, they had something called Newspeak, where the the, the, the new vocabulary of that time is so reduced. The idea is, you know, if you don't have certain words in your vocabulary, you can't think or do those those things. If you don't have the word revolution, for example, you won't have a you won't be able to rise up and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So that's the danger with some some people with maybe a malicious intent to try and kind of tweak language that people or we use, right? It's, it can be so subtle from like government messaging like about extremism and all that kind of stuff to maybe some. Uh, you know, overt things. You know, that that's the the, the dangerous thing about, uh, I suppose, kind of mm. language uh, evolving. It's if you don't know who's in the yeah, steering yeah. wheel. Well, you know what? There's an interesting. It's messages. interesting. There's an interesting discussion. And obviously, there's shaitan as well in the background. You're trying to trying to push people to um, to to, to, to uh, away from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Maybe that's behind why pagans. What, through slang. Yeah, maybe. No, pagans are bad word. No, no one wants to be a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> so it might yeah. be, you know what I mean? It's a bad word. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think there was this discussion that around, you know, young practicing Muslim using certain mm. slang and so forth. And I think they were like... Was it like a bad thing? Yeah, like a bad thing and horrid and it wasn't part of their, you know, identity. It's not identity the adapt. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Correct me if I'm wrong, like, I've been thinking about this as well, like, you know, because I work with young Muslims or whatever, and they were use certain. And do I like say I don't say those words and so forth? And like, I think young people should um, able to express themselves, mm-hmm. you know, um, appropriately in different setting and adapting to that. I think that's something that we need to kind of teach young people because mm-hmm. sometimes you're not going to use the same language from with yeah. someone senior to someone who's a very close friend of mine and different setting and so forth. But also, I feel like these I kind hear of you, brethren. yeah. <laughs> But these kind of slang, I do feel like this is part of their identity. This is what they kind of express yeah. themselves. I think it has to be authentic. I, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. authentic yeah. and um, respectful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my limit. If it's disrespectful, yeah, yeah. then I draw the line. Yeah, yeah. However, if you're speaking your colloquial tongue, your local tongue, mm. for example, even Arabic words have crept into you know road speak. For example, words dunya. like wallahi, yeah. ahli, dunya. Yeah. Is that it's true? In like even non-Muslims use that. In yeah. Some yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see celebrities. I heard I that. Celebrities I say the... like up in the dunya. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or say wallahi. Like but that's sh- a serious one. You you see, if you someone says to you, say wallahi. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing. Like right, if you lie on that, it's like yeah, yeah. lying on you know. Even like if someone's graves. a pagan, even yeah. say wallahi. Aki is a very popular one. That's yeah, quite. Yeah. I heard that. Music, some people even in music, that. like people use the term aki, but it's quite interesting because it shows you how much they're mm. interacting with Muslim. Young Muslims, if that makes sense, mm. or their social. I think that circle. is a very that is a, a a very high potential kind of avenue for dawah if Muslims get cultural uh, capital and currency and respect that they're able to influence, you know, they're able to be role models, you know, eventually 
Unfortunately, it's spun on its head, mm. and generally, it's looked at in a negative connotation. You know, the the whole Muslim element. This is mm. something that I've tried to actively work against in terms mm. of why is it that historically it's like the you know the black community. Mm. You know, we shine when we're negative towards each other. You know, when we're talking about how we kill each other, we stab each other, and you know that's celebrated and glorified. And then the element of the Muslimness now embedded in that so it's like ak but you're talking mm. about ak when you know you talk about drugs you're talking say wallahi when you're gonna go and shoot someone or mm. you know oh. dunya you know is associated even though it's worldly it's like it's not highlighting the negatives of this world it's like it's crazy in the dunya yeah. so yeah. for me you're right but unfortunately the tint that muslims have given you know you know um mm. our influence so to speak has been a negative one oh, and yeah. on Unfortunately, we have to kind How of. How do you untap the, po- we have, the positive? Uh, we have potential. to own. We have to own our our spaces, mm. and you know, you know, challenge. To be honest, so when I've heard some young people go say, "Well, are you gonna go lick him, lick him down?" Like, <laughs> no, you have to challenge that. Like, what do you yeah. mean? How are you gonna use Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's name yeah. in that space? You can't mm. let that go. Does that make sense? Yeah. Similarly, mm. with the N word for me, it's a no no. I'm not really mm. on that. So when I hear young people saying that, I'm like, mm, do you know what that is? And mm. you ch- and I challenge that. So, but what we have is young people, uh, maybe who aren't equipped, who oh. because the, their Muslimness is celebrated mm. in the culture, it's like, oh, I'm accepted now. Yeah. Rather than us giving them the tools and to be like, influence as well. All right, it, you're talking it. about Allah, or you're saying, even though ak isn't really mm. a Muslim word, this means oh. brother, but it's associated with Muslim. Yeah. How do we reframe that? We have to be bold. Because yeah. if we saw Theresa May or I'm allowed to say those people's name or anybody Stuff like that. I've <laughs> just spit three right, times in the prime minister. <laughs> Start using the, yeah. the words inappropriately. We'll give her a hard time. So, mm. Social media, Muslims, Muslim Twitter would rip her to shreds. Mm. So I think we have to be um, as mm. confident in 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 ourselves to say, okay, our part of ourself is being misrepresented here. Yeah. Let's not stand for that. There's, there's such, a, there's so much potential though for good. I mean, uh, a lot of people say this about the US context that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved Islam in America not through like scholars or Asian kind of immigrants but through the black Muslim presence there that's what really um, made Islam an American thing a norm, a normal thing and, and a part of the cultural fabric of America uh, and, and the, obviously there's issues with nation of Islam and that kind of stuff but a lot of them become mainstream mm. as communities you know they mm. the whole entire communities and they have a lot of a capital cultural capital you look at Muhammad Ali, rahimahullah. Mm. He was like a global legend, but was I think there's pros and cons, mm. um, and I think whoever goes into that, they need to really reflect on their values and what mm. they really stand for. The issue is that when the people go in there, they don't know what they stand for. Going away, sorry. If they go into like social media or just oh, yeah, yeah. and so forth and be amongst that kind of culture and so, you know, is that what do you stand for in terms of your own values? Because the problem is when they go into it, mm-hmm. they don't really have it's no more values. More important, they, they, they represent the, the core values. Or maybe, yes. or maybe yeah. they do, yeah. or maybe they do, but it's the culture so powerful, you acquiesced. Yeah, yeah. You, you succumb, you're like, you succumb, like, rock, I want to be a part of this because this is cool. And we see even like practicing brothers. You know, who are Allahumma Barak, they were strong, they were qawi in the durus yeah. and whatnot on social media. You know, like getting pulled mm. to the culture, the negative aspect of the culture. So it's mm. like, how do we own that that space without compromise? 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Because well, how do we influence the mainstream culture mm-hmm. in a positive direction? I think it's possible. Yeah. I do believe it's possible. Um, uh, one person who, you know, I believe, two people I believe demonstrated that. One, he passed away, rahimahullah, but like Ali Banat, yeah. for oh. me, demonstrated what it means to be a humanitarian, what it means to be a Muslim, even though you're sick. So much so, mm. that he was a social media influencer and passed mm. away. And Muslims and non-Muslims, you know, are mourned on mm. his passing. And he was integral. He, he remained, you know, mm. an integral. And everybody, whether you were a rapper, whether you were a social media influencer, a makeup artist, everybody felt his passing. So there is that mm. possible, but there is a possibility. Who yeah. was the other one? Who was the second? Um, I'm not going to name. I'm not going to okay. name. Him. But you know what's interesting about yourself? That? And I <laughs> no way, man. What, what's interesting One day, about maybe Ali Banat yeah, and others as well is that if you see them, is that they chose a field and they excelled in that field. Mm. You and me. And it's the kind of messaging that we are not putting to our young people because we still kind of. And I see it amongst families and I see it amongst parents mm. that we have this kind of um, traditional career paths that we're still kind of pushing on mm. young people, mm. which I believe we should actually push young people what is their strength. 100%. And what is their strength, what they enjoy. Are they going to be a doctor, a lawyer or an accountant? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to you, you can yeah. choose them. You know, but every, every cultures have their different kind of... Yeah. No, in the African, I'm pretty sure in the African and Asian culture, that was the, that's the free, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The African culture, that's the same. Or engineer. Yeah, yeah. And what? Engineer. Yeah. Oh, engineer. Oh, engineer. So, <laughs> so I think that, you know, it's about pushing, as you were saying, how do we kind of get the positive is that whatever they're going to do is, like I said, excel having the Excel values, find the space, excel in that and be the best at it. You know, if you look at, Khabib. I don't want to mention celebrity names. Muslim, like Muslim names. Yeah, I don't want to mention anyway. Yeah. <laughs> whoever it is, if you see them, they perform at their elite and they yeah. perform at the best. And, they smash it. And do the best they can. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. And the whole world is watching them. Yeah. And whether we agree or disagree, people look towards it as, as see him as a Muslim. Yeah. And a they say as a Muslim and a role model. I see him, he has, he's living on some mm. values that proud of yeah and I think can we get so and I think that's what it is it's about getting people mm. to be so when I work with young people my own family so I was like mm. what do you want to do does that make sense and whatever whatever it is you want to do make sure you're the best at it yeah. and excel and become like people looking towards you and say yeah he actually perform, you know that's his expertise yeah. that's his field and do you know what he's amazing sure. at it do you that. think you mentioned Khabib um, do you do you, do you, oh, th- you know what 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 influence does he have? You reckon on on the people that you young people that you is it is it that demographic? That you know you're gonna get slaughtered. Who me? Yeah, because you know like I've been reading some comments and I'm like, oh, how can you say that? And, and no, I think so we look at the negative so much. I think to be honest, all right, I'm not going to talk about whether MMA is halal or haram. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's in the public eye, and. From what I see from the apparent, he tries to be a practicing Muslim. He's mm. not shy. And for me, that's powerful in an era mm. where a lot of people are running away from, you know, being, you know, a man, you know, Maybe, yeah. like well, some people embarrassed of the Muslim. Yeah, he's very much comfortable, not just comfortable. He excels in his comfortability mm. where, you know, sometimes men, we compromise in shaking women's hands or hu- he's not on it. 
He demonstrates I'm a Muslim. But is that man. kind of um, character, that kind of icon, is he appealing to the, the young people that you guys um, kind of work with? I, you know, or is it maybe... You know what's interesting about Khabib? You know what's interesting about Khabib? Yeah? And I don't think... It's interesting. I think... When I think about Khabib, yeah, I think the Muslim Ummah is my this. kind of Let me hypothesis. Hear this. Let me hear this. Let me, hear this. Let me get ready. Wait. That the Muslim Ummah... He's looking well, for why a hero. Why was in the Ummah? Because that's quite a big term, isn't it? I think the Muslims, particularly I see it, I come across in the UK, mm. maybe in the community, or just generally over the world. But we're looking for someone to represent the Muslims on a public, public sphere. And the I next think, Muhammad. You know, and even though I don't like comparing, because like, I think some people like, even though I love Muhammad Ali, Rahimullah, mm-hmm. um, it's just that as a community, over the years, we've just been degraded in whatever sphere you want to talk mm-hmm. about you know whether that's through like so-called terrorism you know in the political you look at mm-hmm. what's going around the world and when we see Habib who no one even followed MMA mm-hmm. no one probably cared about L- MMA before then to have someone like Habib you know who's a Muslim and you see someone who's praying Salah you pray seeing someone is saying Alhamdulillah yeah a word that we take, you know, and he's close to our good messaging. Card, good messaging. I think the the community mm. was like, mashallah, like, mm. you know I mean, someone who's that. I mean, it, I get that for the the community, but what about the young people? Yeah, young people, like a lot of people are celebrating. Are celebrating it. A lot of yeah, people are celebrating. People. Yeah. To be honest, there are quite a few celebrities, footballers, yeah. you know, who are Mosana. Muslim. Yeah, Pogba. Mm. Mm. But no, they're who are the only two Muslim footballers. No, yeah. like, no, you got like, for example, uh, Imtijah Muhammad, for example, yeah. you know, she openly, you know, Muslim. The American so, one. Yeah, so yeah. there have been, but I don't think any has been has celebrated as Khabib. Maybe because he, you know, whooped Conor McGregor or whatever, not. And Conor McGregor seemed to be an enemy of, you know, the values that we all love, you know, mm. Islam. So that was kind of gave him the fuel uh, or the amp for everyone mm. to be like, look what he did for the Muslims. But for me personally, you know, it's important to have individuals who represent you in a public space, yeah. in the, it, whether it's social media, whether it's you know main, the mainstream, yeah. and not compromise on that. That's and very, it's extremely important. I mean, if I think about m- myself, people our age, um, we didn't. A lot of Asians, for example, young young Asian Muslims, we had nothing other than not, no counterculture of our own that that would say, this is how you can be non-white. And, 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 and excel and, and, and thrive So we, a lot of young people Turned to for example Hip hop culture And yeah. Asians So it was something That arose in um, The black American Kind Ooh. of uh, Cultural milieu But that's the thing That a lot of us Attach to can Some of us Kind of Even Afro-Caribbean culture But, but can I ask a question Because no, yeah. this is amazing So yeah. When I grew up I grew up with quite a few Asians mm. You know Because for example I was Afro, like as a Caribbean Muslim growing up, my, it was either my traditional culture or Islamic. There was no, yeah. sy- there wasn't clear synergy. Um, but then when I would go to some of my South Asian friends' houses, like I would be like, "Wow, what's this? Like, um, like, hot, like bought, bought Z Z Z TV? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, Wallahi, yeah. I was amazed. Yeah. I was like, "What the heck? You got your yeah. own culture on TV? So within yeah. that, they need to talk about." Mm. So Imran, Imran Khan, I can't remember his name. But everybody from my Asian, South Asian friends yeah. will talk. Wasn't that clear? Ident- wasn't that st- identity strong? 
because they loved it and they will talk about some of the yeah. Bollywood movies. I just want to yeah. know what's it was, it was kind of a foreign thing. thing. It was a foreign thing until okay. yeah. So until for us, I mean personally, it might sound funny, but the thing that gave us a kind of an example of a British non-white counterculture that we could we could tap into was it might sound silly, but goodness gracious me, remember that. Yeah, yeah. Lord. Yeah. So I that, have connection with that. Just you know? seeing like Asian people on TV yeah. just doing stuff and not being the, the norm, not being white, so, right? That gave a lot of young, like uh, Asians at least, in in like school and that kind of stuff, some kind of, okay, you got there's, there's some, some nav- Abdulli, something. Abdulli, I need to hear what you got to say, bro. You got to lay out the bag, bro. So, I, I think that's what Habib is doing yeah, in terms yeah. of people for, for now their Muslim mm. values that maybe they think are, are not welcome in wider society mm. if they see say some kind of role model some sign, some kind of example of a counterculture to the, the, the mm. norm values the norm, normal identity mm. um, if they see that in a way where I can live that I can yeah. thrive in that space mm. then that's really powerful even though obviously like you said the the details of the rulings about MMA and so yeah, yeah. on, but look at the person in terms of. But I think that personally, I've got a couple of things yeah. to say. Let but it out, bro. Let it out, bro. Salman's <laughs> one, yeah, is that we go into details because we have a very perfection fallacy. Mm. We want everything to be perfect, the role models to be perfect, yeah. and so forth. And if they're not that, then we won't accept it at all. And that is problematic because you're never going to find anyone like that. Says in this in this day and age, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, that perfect person was the Prophet Muhammad mm. and so the companions, So they were, mm. that was the wrong one, and the forty imams and the scholars that came by. Mm. So I think sometimes we have that notion, and so because we have that notion, we quick to kind of shoot them down and say, mm. "Well, how can they be a role model and so forth and etc." But the point with Habib was interesting is when we say role model, what do we mean? For me, mm. I mean it's the values that he stood for. Yeah. It's the values of someone um, insulting your culture, someone insulting your religion, someone insulting on your parents these are some of the Islamic values mm. we hold dear to and when we find someone who's actually standing up for that we actually join in with that yeah. struggle and I think and that's that not the norm the norm is don't don't care what anyone says about anything yeah and or the norm is or the norm is I'm gonna cuss you back yeah, yeah. yeah. or I'm gonna well, I'm gonna go so for example yeah. just with the Khabib thing when uh, Connor was f- uh, gonna fight Floyd yeah you saw them going tit for tat. Mm. Khabib was the complete opposite. He was a complete, you know, he demonstrated integrity. Mm. I was going to yeah. say no, he, he demonstrated integrity. And I mm. think a lot of people recognized there are still men of values out there mm. in the in the mainstream, mm. which is what the Muslim quote unquote mm. ummah mm. is looking for. Yeah, yeah. The, and you know, and, and I say this in the lights of term, someone who is closest to the prophet mm. in behavior in that space. So it's just an issue of good uh, characteristics and values that yeah, yeah. that are against the the, the norm. Mm. For example, Ghira, yeah, yeah, Ghira having a kind of protective je- jealousy over your female uh, relatives and and a wife or daughters mm. or whatever, right? I heard this this um, guy who spent a lot of time with uh, Will Harris. I don't know. I forgot yeah, his Will name. Will Harris. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was saying that you know a lot of people think because that's completely anathema in, in mm. kind of Western culture to mm. to have any kind of um, protection over mm. a woman mm. is seen as kind of against her uh, whatever. You, yeah, you yeah, all know the thing, yeah. Mm. But um, that culture that that Habib showed that person, he said it showed me another way to live. It showed me another way that a society mm. can be can thrive and can mm. work. Mm. 
mm. people are happy, things working. You know what I mean? So just little things like that they add up. So if a young person sees mm. that there's a there's a something from the Sunnah that can be implemented in real life today, yeah, not just in a bubble, not just in the mm. madrasa or masjid or in the books, yeah. That that has a massive impact on mm. them, I think. And, and, and you're right about the perfectionist fallacy. Just because he's not perfect mm. doesn't mean you can't take good yeah, characteristics. Yeah, yeah and, and I uh, think that's a you know. And if you look at because either him that kids are going to be looking up to, or some completely. Don't mean to point at you, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> some you know, know. Yeah, completely yeah. Uh, you know mm. not even Muslim. No, no kind of no good qualities that that that, that yeah. come from him uh, at all. I just want to come back to Abdul Kadim's point on ZTV. Yeah, ZTV. Please, I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> waiting so what's for interesting, yeah, for me, I guess, and I'll show you a little bit about me, I guess. And so I grew up in a very dominant, dominantly black and white community, mm. and I was the only few Asian mm. in that community. But for me, I never like. I used to hate Bollywood, man. Is that like, why your name was AJ? Press it. Um, yeah, they used to call you Press Abdul Jalil. Press it. Press it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Thank you. so um, but for me, what was interesting, I was very much inclined to hip hop. Mm. And I became very like embedded in it mm. where I had friends who became into the music industry. I had friends who became grime artists and so forth. But what was interesting about hip hop and even originally around grime, even on how you interpret mm. grime, I think it's the whole kind of struggle Rebellious against the struggle culture and mm. just rebellious case. Like mm. in the Bangladeshi community, one of the most popular artists that everyone listened to was Tupac. No way. Honestly, Tahamlet's Hamlet's Tupac. If you ask them who would you side over Biggie and Tupac, 100% they would say Tupac because they like that. Because his surname was Shakur. <laughs> So there was this kind of like, I guess, the struggle culture. And I think I adopted that kind of notion and understanding. So I was appealed to like Malcolm X. Yeah. You know, I was appealed to Huey P from Black Panthers. Mm. You know, um, so those are the kind of things I think for me as a youth. And that was the only I felt mm. at the... I guess I went from my own identity crisis, but that was the identity I adopted and I yeah. jumped on that. And I felt I lived in it for years yeah. till Alhamdulillah I started practicing mm. because I realized, you know, then you obviously start judging, like you start evaluating value, you start evaluating values and what do the really values and the end product as well. Mm. Nice says, yeah. Did you used to call him Tupakul? No, I didn't. Who? <laughs> you could have to break it down for me. What I does that mean? Machiavelli. Do, do, <laughs> do you know what? I read something the other day. Tupac wasn't really Machiavelli, you know? He wasn't, I don't know, bro. No, Machiavelli is a very secretive, shadowy kind of character. He had an album in it called Machiavelli. No, yeah, but he wasn't. The, yeah, yeah, but yeah. in terms of his approach, yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah, yeah. much the opposite. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. Machiavellian at all. So yeah, so that was a kind of interesting. Yeah. I think in the in a community, and I can only talk about Hamlets. Yeah. I think a lot of, but however, there was some. I guess jumped on a whole Bollywood music. I guess I just thought because so I, I never some had people they, they merged kind of hip hop and Bollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought, I just found it amazing. Yeah. And, you know, being Caribbean, the only thing I would see really was, was reggae, a bit of like a sound thing, but we never had like a dedicated mm. channel for. Yeah, yeah. Other than Americanized culture, which obviously, you know, being a young, you know, black person growing mm. up, you could identify with some of it. But for example, when I saw that, it just was another world. And I was like, Right, you're lucky you lot have that. And then when I go to certain shops with my friends when they're buying food, they're like, it'll be on. And they'll be like, oh, that's this and that's that. And then what blew my mind, this is why it's a, you lot will have your own versions of certain American films. 
I didn't watch it. I was like, what? Yeah. Like you have your, and I'll be like, how do you guys do it? So for me, yeah. growing up with- there's this, there's this new film that came out. It's about this little alien that uh, arrives. It's this little extraterrestrial being that comes down and befriends a little kid. Really? I think I've seen that. Yes, it's, uh, it's called Jadu or something. Yeah, they're really pushing the boundaries out now, you know? They're really pushing the boundaries yeah. out. But I, as a yeah. young person, I found it amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but then- just hearing what you're saying mm. that you know and hearing what you're saying you gra- gravitating towards like you know the black struggle culture yeah, yeah, I think the black the black community has been oppressed more and longer than as uh, in, 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 in the UK and, and former colonies and stuff I think that's part of the reason why like literally the culture was kind of um, they call it epistemicide you know Th- that complete removal of uh, the culture from a people um, such that they they have nothing uh, no connection. Yeah, yeah, and do you know what I'm taking at home know, of you. You know when still. they so I went to what's interesting when they talk about you come back to youth violence. Mm. When they talk about youth violence, they really talk about the systematic discrimination upon black. When they talk about gangs, mm. particularly young black men involved in gangs, um, they do talk about the systematic discrimination that took place Who over. Do? Academics. Okay. So there's one academic I went to his um, kind of seminar, mm-hmm. and he was discussing this, mm. and you know, and he was giving a counter argument around. So he looked at slavery and yeah. the period of slavery, um, over like hundred years or whatever the case, yeah. and then eventually, you know, um, the black community moving into like yeah. inner cities <coughs> of like Brooklyn and Chicago and so forth. And he was saying the correlation between their ancestors of being against the systematic discrimination yeah. and continuation. It's inherited. And that was the kind of, and that's a massive thing. And what was interesting, I think I'll discuss with you, yeah. is that if that's happening to the black community, what's happening to like young Muslims who are going through some sort of Islamophobia, discrimination, and mm. what would it be? I think there's a lot in of lessons like 10, to 15, 15 years or 20 years mm. time like in terms of what would be their mindset already people already struggle to uphold some sort of like their Muslim identity mm. in a workplace environment or hold their identity just in a public sphere mm. how would it be if, if it you know mm. yes it's just a kind of interesting kind of mm. um, reflection to be honest I mean mm. so going back to uh, solutions right mm. I want to think about in terms of uh, solution was uh, Abdul Karim. You mentioned a few words that um, kind of um, remind me of a few theories I have. <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, that is, you mentioned words like village, family, mm. uh, tribe. You even mentioned, and I think one one major cause of so many of these issues, social ills we have today, youth problem of youth um, violence and so forth, is, is one of them. Is one of the main causes is the the breakup of the, the the extended family and tribal units that human beings have lived in for the most of our kind of history since mm. the time of Adam alayhi salam. Even in the Western world, or what is now known as the West, um, your home, who you know, who your family is, is, it would be made up of like fifty to hundred individuals, mm-hmm. right? Um, not just geographic proximity that like these are the people you live with but just generally who you regard as your own you know you look out for them you have a sense of shame not to let them down you know the older brothers the older cousins or whatever you you each kind of 
keeping each other in check. And the breakup of that system, the atomization, right, through architecture, through, you know, the, the kind of um, different housing projects, yeah. uh, splitting people up into the nuclear family, mm. husband, wife, 2.4 children. That has led to so many issues and I think the problem of youth violence is one of many other issues that stemmed from part of this because young people are growing up now separated from the broader um, kind of tribal unit, mm. the broader family, the broader village. Mm. You know the old adage, you know, it takes mm. a village to raise a child. Yeah. Mm. Now this child, um, it's in, uh, these, these human beings, these, uh, these, these human societies that were mm. so interconnected are split up into little homes and houses or estates. Um, and all of the interactions are mediated through either a, a government body or a, or a private corporation. Mm. So your education, your cultural production, your entertainment, if you have a, you know, a dispute, who do you go to to get that resolved? Mm. Your healthcare even sometimes. And guidance, just going to the elder in your broader family structure or your tribe and that kind of stuff. It's completely been broken up and atomized. Mm. And now people are in their little silos. Mm. I think you've looked at it from a, a macro lens. Yeah. And that is societal ills and the societal challenge that we have in, you know, in mm. in, in a very built-up cosmopolitan city like London yeah. or Birmingham or even Chicago or whatnot. I think the, unless you're going to have a um, a structural change of yeah. society, that's too big a challenge to, yeah. to, to deal with for a solution. And for me... Um, we have to kind of, I'm going to use your word, atomize it. Yeah. And one of the key things that I found is that the moral compass of society is swinging in that all over the place. And if we're able mm. to, you know, uh, we have Islam that guides our moral compass mm. and enable, enabling us to know right from wrong, good from bad, what to do from what not to do. And that there for me is key. If we're able to enable the moral compass of young people to be on the hook, yeah. they're less likely to get involved in situations which is going to put them or themselves at harm. Mm. Their mm. risk goes down. So, for example, but you part of that is having them feel that they're part of something bigger, not just looking out for themselves. You know that individualistic kind of. Mm. But this is what liberal, to, liberalism. But I believe. I, I believe. I believe that a person has to hold themselves mm. to account, and if we're not taught to hold ourselves to account then we've got other things to blame. Mm. And you know we, um, the, the saying, hold yourself to account before you're before held, you're to, held to account. Yeah. So everything stems mm. from the self first and foremost mm. because you could be in a family, you could be in a macrocosm and be that bad apple because you're choosing to be that bad mm. apple for whatever the circumstance. But how do you get that tarbiya? How do you get that so, nurturing? Yeah, so... You know? Even about holding yourself to account. Yeah, I agree with that. And so mm. something that I've been kind of I guess your approach, what you're saying, I feel is quite isolated. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it as a solution. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying no, this no, no. is part of where yeah, the yeah. problem came from the first but place. But when we have the argument and mm. we kind of look at that, some people say that's their problem. Mm. It's their family problem. It's family issues. And when we have that, people think, well, it's not my problem. It has yeah. nothing to do with me. And this is what I feel as a Muslim community, we've gone down to. You know, mm. I saw this ca a charity campaign on one of the Islamic channels. And it was a, like a youth program or a community program based in the UK. And they tried to raise money. And I don't think they raised that much compared mm. to other charities. Mm. 
and mm. it kind of raised questions for me in terms of I'm not saying human, humanitarian aid is not important I'm saying definitely it's important it's definitely easier it's a priority. to but, fundraise for the but we <laughs> need to kind of look into look, mm. look into our community is that yes we are mm. we do support um, we do support and donate based on emotions but do we base do we support and donate based on the strategic yeah. look in terms of our community. And that's something that's lacking. Hence why people like myself and Abdul Karim have to go and work for non-Muslim organisations yeah. and do the work. If me and Abdul Karim and we bring other teams together, we were supporting, able to do the work, we could do have, we could have a, a, a massive impact. Yeah. And I think that's so... But like so you said back, before, it needs you to come together and yes, so synergize. Yeah, so coming back to the thing about mm. um, the point you were saying about family, so forth, is that everyone has to. That's why I was saying the problem is a layered, layered mm. problem because it's an individual problem which we're talking about now. The individual terbia. Then we look at the interpersonal, so about mm. the families and so forth. Then it's about organizations. The existing organization, the massages. What are you? Mm. What are they are putting in place to support those young people? You know, we've got like one of the issues I have young people is a lot of young people are going through doubts about Islam. Yeah, they're having a massive identity crisis. They're questioning their faith because they're being pumped all this information around them, and they're thinking, oh, there, there'll be some, there could be some truth to this. But you know what is it all off that? And if the the, 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 the spaces of guidance the massage the institutes yeah. aren't speaking the language that the young people understand mm. then those shubahat those doubts mm. won't be cleared up yeah. and just the, those, uh, bolting those onto what you're saying just yeah. bolting onto what you're saying and that's why what you're saying is so 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 po uh, po poignant, poignant because those spaces are supposed to connect down yeah and you know in terms of a moral compass or their moral lens yeah, it's yeah. like we it's like the most important thing is let's feed some poor people in a country far beyond our own mm. because we see that as a priority mm. rather than the, moral, the, the morals mm. looking at the young mm. people in their community yeah. as a priority. And when Abdul Karim was talking about the moral compass, for me, I take it as that's mm. your fitrah. Mm. So how can, where is the space where we could kind of, people go through a development process, mentoring process, where we could help them to find their moral compass? Where is the space for that? Mm. It's either we... And for me, it's a strategy of supporting existing institutions mm. or support people to yeah. create that space. Mm. Does that make sense? And I think it has to be too, because young people, you know, they don't want to be in, indoors on Friday night. We used to have a youth project and we used to open to 10 in the evening on a Friday, rampacked, mm. 40 young people. What, would you used, do, what do you used to do? We used them? to get pizza, we used to have a talk to them, we used to have activities, we used to have whatever they... and table tennis. <laughs> whatever they... Whatever the point is, I'd rather them be in a, a yeah. space That's that, is, that is supervised... Absolutely, yeah. ...than be in a space out on the street. Yeah. And, it, and it meant, like, but, I was going home late because I was finished at 10, but, but, but that, the thing is... To, gone, to thrive, though, that needs, you, that needs us to feel like the, the neighbours' kids, the, the kids down the street... The kids of the that are running, making a mess in the back of the mosque. Those are like my kids. Yeah. Do you know what it is? That, though? I think that, that kind of village. Hold on. I think that village now there is the appetite though. Yeah. Now, you know, if you if an individual was to set up a project for young Muslims, 
parents, mm-hmm. because parents are, are the ones that are so concerned for their children, yeah. they are the driving force now. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've seen people, you know, go from very small projects to yeah. massive projects because yeah, yeah. it's like, where's the Muslim alternative? I don't want my kids getting involved yeah, yeah. in it. So there is that, I think now more than ever, there's been that, that um that scope yeah, to yeah, do 100%. things three four five years ago 100%. it would have been like oh god and you look yeah, for yeah. support now i think there is that scope mm. however so looking at solutions you know maybe it is about brothers like abdul jalil you know brothers who, who have the frontline experience who have the understanding the strategic mm-hmm. uh, aims of you know how to engage young people maybe it's about brothers like yourself you know taking the mantelpiece and driving forward because I guarantee you it's, it's going to be a hard graft and maybe I'm speaking about myself yeah. as and well and there's other like and it's not just massage it's organisation who have money and funding they need and to I dip in because that masjids and Muslim schools they yeah. have for example a lot of space yeah. especially schools after after school time mm. loads of space they're empty they can um, they can be used for this I don't think any school Muslim school madrasa masjid is going to say no if they if they're given, I don't know some people the resources. I mean, also if you went right? to, to be honest, but if they have to train people themselves and do the yeah, stuff yeah. themselves, then they're gonna say, "Oh, I've got a million of other things to do." We have to be like, if I have to be honest, sometimes, and it I'm not saying all institutions, mm. but some. I think it's more individuals rather than inst- yeah. the institution. Individuals are kind of like when you look at someone, you stereotype them. Yeah. You're like, I don't really want them in. Yeah, I don't really want them in the school because they might trash the place, mm. and we have all these kind of different thoughts that's going in our head. Mm. And speaking fact, that's 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 mm. the issue. And it's about sometimes we have to be non-judgmental. Gonna mess up the carpet. Yeah, yeah, we, you have to <laughs> no, be. Well, non- that's, that's you have to be non-judgmental. Literally. Like if people yeah. come in and they got ear studs, then yeah. you got to just let them in and Not just, just engage that. People them. People valuing you know items, stuff, mm. bricks, carpet more than young people. Yeah, that's mm. it really. And mm. you speak a hundred percent my language. There is that stigma that if a young person comes into the masjid or they have cornrows, they've got earring, they might have a tattoo. Mm. It's like, we don't want them in here. We only want the, the young people who are yeah, yeah. attending the madrasa, hafiz, mm. the Quran. Those young people want everyone else stay. Some massage. They look like lost causes. Yeah, it's like, you know what I mean? and the Prophet Sallam was not yeah. like that. He and engaged the, all. Yeah, and just come back to what your point, Salman, as well, about the neighbours and so forth. Yeah. I understand that some people may feel uncomfortable to approach a young person. You know who may be on the street and say to them, "Look, you know, do you want to come to the masjid or whatever, whatever the case?" And I understand that because sometimes you feel there is an age gap, you feel there's a, a gap of experience. Mm. But that doesn't pre- that doesn't prevent you to go to your masjid and say, "Look, why don't we set up a program?" Yeah, you know, it doesn't stop them being brought to behind to be the scene. In the masjid. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the masjid. Some people might feel maybe. It's too much to yeah, go into. I know I keep, I, this ain't like, yeah. I'm not trying to put that much. I'm just bang, thinking bang, about it. Because yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like a local say, football. Uh, whatever the case. Of, uh, yeah, but it's about probing and it's yeah. about asking those questions mm. and it's about getting the people to say, look, can you lead on, can you lead on this? Can you, but can I be honest? Can I be honest? Not, not every space or masjid or has the right people to do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's the challenge because a masjid might be open and it's like, all right, Who's gonna run it? Yeah, yeah. And if you know you're a person who you're, you've got family, you know you got your work, and then you have to give that extra time, which is beneficial. Mm. It's like there's so much giving, but there's one thing I have found, and maybe this is a clarion call or call to action. We need more people to take this 
this issue more seriously to get involved and volunteer mm. because there are, there are quite a few of us out there, but there's not enough because mm. we have so mm. many, we're, the, we're a fast growing population in terms of our young people in, in, yeah. in this country and there's not enough youth leaders. And I, yeah, think yeah. The, the masjid, I think the importance of the masjid is because it happens to be one in different communities. If there's no space or no, the, no kind of appetite to do that stuff in the masjid, then I think people need to be trained yeah, to... Yeah. You know what I mean? One thing I remember from when I was younger, the people at the the, you know, the guys at the local estate, they would they would have these um, kind of trips with older people from the same estate, mm. right? And the estate is was back then at least uh, the one of the last kind of vestigial remnants of that kind of uh, community uh, uh, spirit, where yeah. you have people around living in the same area you have a shared space people know each other mm. people can look after the, each other's kids and that kind of stuff and some young people in like my age they would be hesitant to maybe do something too crazy mm. because they're like i don't want to let down the guys you know someone might see me from my from my state the older guys I don't want i don't want to let them down yeah that kind of feeling mm. you know so that the kind of feeling that you have someone an older brother type person Know what I mean? On a mm. local level, because you can only do so much. You can yeah. only do so much as an individual, but empowering people on in a local sense to yeah. build those bridges with your mm. neighbors, with the people that come to your masjid, mm. with the young people you do see and you do know, build that rapport. Mm. I think that is a more natural way to kind of, and they, I think that is what the stereotypical kind of gang member is looking for. They're looking for that sense of belonging. They're looking yeah, yeah. for that. You know that brotherhood, mm. that fraternity. See, so is that another case? Yeah, yeah. So when I when I mention a masjid, I'm not being mm. specific to masjid. I'm saying yeah. really, what I'm saying is a space for young people. The reason I mention a masjid because that's where we have the capacity and we have the space. The infrastructure is there to kind of develop and do grow. Do they even need a space though? I think they do need a space mm. because um, and a space and a space doesn't have to be a room. Yeah. Is wherever the young people want to be yeah. to kind of be their comfortable self and be a space where you could have a dialogue, conversation, mm. discussion. Um, and that's what I actually mean. Um, so solutions wise, let's kind of, um, there's a lot of good stuff been mentioned. If you were to summarize a few points in terms of how do we as a community, what would you say we focus on, right? Maybe three things focus on that you think uh, would be good towards solving the problem of, uh, uh, of youth violence. Of youth right. violence yeah. or youth, because we talked about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. so youth violence, because that's your expertise, right? Serious youth violence. So, in terms of, because it's also connected to the issue of um, going youth going away from the deen, uh, or young Muslims going away from the deen, or issues of gang uh, culture or, or other types of criminality. Mm. But in terms of to give, like, um, maybe any 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 organisations or decision makers, or even parents, you know, watching or listening. What three piece of advice would you think? I'm gonna ask I'm you in a little. minute. So, is it who's Ma, first? Yeah, but my one's gonna, my one, I guess, because I've been thinking about this for yeah. a few years mm. in terms of what's the strategy for young Muslims? You know, where do we steer them? Where do we go? Who needs to be involved? Who needs to be driving this? Mm. So, I think my angle would be this from that angle from young Muslims because I think that's my main target group, that's my main concern. And within that, it affects yeah. those same young Muslims, practicing or non-practicing. They'll be involved in knife crime. They'll be involved in yeah. drug abuse. They'll be involved in those kind of things. And my, I guess my strategy is looking at the existing youth framework is to have um, 
small intervention over a long period. So rather than just having this spontaneous program, late night, you mean we get some pizza and so forth. Yeah. It's more kind of, for me, it's more evidence based yes. practice, and that's one of the things that I guess my advice to, you know, and I've been saying to others as well, like, you know, don't try and put together a program which you think will be beneficial to young yeah. people. Ask what what be beneficial to them. And look at the data and the research that's already been done. What does the evidence suggest? So the evidence for me is, well, for my reading, is looking at me personally. My, so I'm trying to put together a programme. And the programme mm-hmm. is a small intervention. So we look at a workshop style over six weeks, over six sessions, where we look at different um, challenges that young people go through. So the first... Mm-hmm thing we'll probably look at is look at identity and identity crisis and come back to what Abdul Karim was saying, their moral compass. So even that, what is their values? Where do they get their values from? Mm-hmm. Do you stand for those values? Do you call yourself to account? Look at, look at the stuff around um, uh, like just holding their account in terms of their own values, you know, and how do they live by that and look at those kind of, look at that stuff around trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of young people young Muslims particularly, are leaving Islam not because they have an intellectual doubt about Islam. It's because they had a bad experience. Yeah. And how do they unravel that? How do they untangle that? Because that is preventing them to mm. becoming an upright Muslim. And so mm. it's about going... So you'd say small interventions Small intervention period. over a long period and having, after that, having that relationship. You know, continue because hopefully, inshallah, they could, at the end of the programme... Inshallah, we want to have... And this program is actually from my own experiences, my own challenges, my own kind of doubts, looking at other young Muslims as well, bringing that together. So that's really the solution. I feel that we need to have more evidence-based practice um, in our approach um, in terms of work of young people. What do you you reckon? What what are your piece of advice in terms of... When Abdullah mentioned the sister who did the course and then now she's doing conflict resolution. Conflict resolution, yeah. And what did he say? We need more people like you. For me, number one, we need more hands on deck. Mm. Where, for me, I think, you know, specialists or youth practitioners in the Muslim community aren't favoured upon, mm-hmm. aren't respected. And someone who goes into that field, it's like, ah, oh, that's a little field there. You're not a doctor, lawyer or engineer, as you would say. Mm. Um so for me personally, mm. more hands on deck, which means more training. Pushing our, yeah, pushing yeah. our young people yeah. into these careers. Mm. Yes, and more training for people who are interested right now mm. to go into that, to, to enable them to be skilled mm. to work with our young people. So to be non-judgmental, to know how to engage, know how to build relationships, to know, understand the framework mm. of what that young person is going through and enable, enable a... Um, um, a response or a piece of work which will signpost them to where they need to go or you're building mm-hmm. a relationship mm-hmm. in order to mentor them moving, moving them on so my thing is we need more hands on deck being a youth worker youth practitioner working with young people shouldn't be a I'm talking about in our community shouldn't be a look down upon skill set that's number one um, within the Muslim community we have a lot of even though we've got, we, we're coming to new, newer generations now we have a lot of migrant parents who mm-hmm. might not understand what their children are going through in urban London or in urban cities there's a complete you know mm. disconnect so enabling parents to understand the social landscape that their children have to navigate 
Because what I've noticed is that some parents are like, I'm going to send my children to school because the school maybe back home was a privilege. You might have to pay for it, travel, yeah. long, long distances to get to school. And it was a privilege. So coming to the UK, it's like, oh, I'm going to send my kids to school. You know, that's it. They've, mm. Once they go through and not understanding the social landscape, they have to mm. navigate in school. When we're talking about trauma, we're talking about, you know, peer pressure. We're talking about all of these um, challenges that young people go through. So enabling parents to understand mm. the, the landscape that their children are going through so that if they do see something they don't understand, it's not a shock and they know how to do with mm. their children rather mm. than pushing them away. And lastly, similar to what you said, spaces for safe spaces mm. for our young people to thrive. Now, that's going to be difficult to do if the massage closed their doors or if we're not supported by the, the, the Muslim yeah. corporates. But safe spaces for young people. And, you know, going back to the first two, you know, because that's where I see, you know, um, where change happens. Is when we have if we have the spaces and more people mm -hmm. trained and involved, like it will make a big difference. Yeah. The Muslim community, Allah, right? We have loads of doctors, loads of lawyers, loads mm. of engineers, loads of civil servants, but practitioners yeah. we don't have. I just want to add as well, and I think um, Jazalha for that is that it needs to be a collective effort. Mm. You know, and when I mean collective effort, there's two approaches. There's the community and organisations out there supporting and making work, engaging young Muslims as a strategy and making a priority. That needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And we as a community, we need to assess where does that come in the pecking order in terms of our priorities. And I think that is one number one priority because otherwise we're going to lose a generation, you know, mm. you know, to wherever they're going to go. But I'm the quick, who leads on that? Yeah, yeah. So that's but, that's a, yeah but, but I think the leaders need to be big organisations who are considered umbrella organisations, who mm. are working with other Muslim organisations. They need to decide. And I well, think some are, like I think said, recently there has been happening. Push forward yourself. Yeah. yeah I, try I know, and build a consensus. I know, alhamdulillah, there's one, a couple of organisations at the moment, you know, are pushing it and are having conference on it and so mm. forth. Um, which is amazing, which is yeah. good. But mm. we need to have other organisations as well. So that's one perspective. And the other perspective as well, we need people to be kind of um, setting up organisations and being innovative in mm -hmm. those organisations. It's not a one, it's not a one single approach it's not just my project and i'm doing my project and that's going to solve the project we have like parents like parenting programs we mm. need like single parenting program young young children young boys mentors, who, mentors and so yeah. forth so there's so much out there we need the more we've got so many like charity organizations we need to replicate that same kind of numbers in terms of community mm. projects and so and this project is not just projects are not just supporting the individuals of young people it's the whole family setup yeah. are you with me so it's a massive project it's a massive strategy but we need to have that it's a movement it's a movement yeah. it, is, it is a movement and they talk about this mm. even if they talk about now you know government and so forth they realize that it's not just working directly with those young people it's everyone within the household mm. and that's what we need to be looking at but we need to really have a serious discussion on everyone this. within the tribe 
Yeah. Yes, the yes. whole the whole village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You brought it back yeah, to it. That know? was slick. Yeah, <laughs> that was slick. Yeah. Not, not just a pretty yeah. face, bro. Yeah, that was some slick. stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's a really so it is not it's not just yeah. like someone else it's someone else's problem and someone else mm. will do it. Abdul Karim will do this yeah. and let him do it. And he's no, it has to be everyone have to. Absolutely. So whether that is whether that's uh, through your sadaqah, whether that is through your time. You know, you need to kind of make it a priority mm. because these are your generations. Can you know, these be, are generations. Go for I just it. add lastly, and what I find unfortunately is for many parents, for many organizations, it's like it's not a priority until yeah. it happens to their child. Yeah. And then that's when I get the phone. That's when people like us. I was about call. to tell you when you said parents, parents are bringing their kids. It's probably too late by then. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, help my kid. Yeah. I'm like, when you have the, the conversation yeah. with that young mm. person, it's like, you've been going down this road for a couple of years now and mummy mm. or daddy didn't mm. pick it up. So it's, it, it's not to scare people, but the reality is everyone needs to get involved. Everyone needs to wake it's up. It's your children. You mm. know, violence is indiscriminate, as I always say. Mm. Violence is indiscriminate. doesn't care about your race, your creed, your colour, your ethnicity. Yeah. It's indiscriminate. So yeah. it's everybody's problem until yeah. well, it's your problem. Th- I'm afraid we, uh, we've run out of time now. We've got... Um, uh, we've got some food to be eaten now. I don't want to send you oh, off uh, on an empty stomach, but uh, we could go for on for ages. But I want to continue this discussion in future podcasts, inshallah. inshallah. So, Jazakallah khair for uh, attending. Jazakallah khair at home. If you like this podcast, uh, give it a like and a share. Uh, if you didn't, then um, you're racist, probably. That was slick. Or Islamophobic, at least. Uh, <laughs> can we also get, like, can they contact you if they want to get hold of Abdul yeah, so like, no, yeah, I was going to say, if you. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> If you want to do your bit for the future of the, the, the ummah, the future of the community and society, yeah. then reach out to these two gentlemen here. Um, we'll put their details in the description. Uh, and yeah, Zakla Khair. Also, for a good discussion. We're also available on wherever you get your podcasts, inshallah. So iTunes, Google, Spotify, and, and the rest of them. So please do, if you use those services, please do download, subscribe, give it all five stars. And uh, yeah, see you in the next podcast. Zakla Khair.